0: Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey, and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. North and South, chapters 29 to 31. In the midst of Margaret's troubling situation with her mother dying before her eyes, she gets a letter from Edith, which is, it says, affectionate and inconsequent. It's basically full of, you know, small talk and nothing that important. But for Margaret, it's a real contrast um, between her own life and Edith's. She's in this industrial smoky town of Milton, her mother is dying, her father's uh, lost his his job through resignation at the Church of England and is you know struggling to make a living for himself and in edith 's world where you know she 's the wife of this military captain and living in Corfu, um, the skies are always blue, and the sun always shines and there 's that sense of a contrast to margaret 's situation um, although it 's worth saying that once you dig a bit deeper in edith 's letter the kind of truth underneath the glossiness of the um, the sort of phrases comes through um, because she does say about her husband being stout and grumpy, which perhaps is more about the truth of the situation. Um, but she longs to, to see Margaret, and Margaret longs for a day of Edith's life. It says her freedom from care, um, and she'd had to bear up under such hard pressure that she felt quite old. And that sense of her situation, um, a lot has been resting on Margaret's shoulders. Um, And to top that all off, Margaret feels this ongoing guilt about the status of her relationship with Thornton. She doesn't feel a clear sense of love or affection for him at this stage but she certainly feels unhappy with the coldness between them and he visits um, bringing more fruit for her mother and gives her a cold distant bow and the irony is is that Mrs Hale says I really begin quite to like Mr Thornton Um, I think he really is getting quite polished in his manners Um, and Margaret acknowledges he is very kind and attentive um and mrs hale realizes how few friends that margaret has and so she asks um margaret to ask mrs thornton to come and see her um and margaret guesses that you know she wants somebody to to look after margaret look out for margaret's welfare um once she's gone um now what's interesting is is that um margaret uses um some Uh, factory slang slack of work in front of her mother Um, and she says if I live in a factory town I must speak factory language when I want it and already we're seeing this real change in Margaret um, that she has become more accustomed to the ways of Milton um, than before Um, and and feels this sense of regret that she's wounded Thornton so deeply just as she starts to understand the the place that she's in a bit more. Now in chapter 30 um, Mrs Thornton comes to see Mrs Hale um, and realises how close Mrs Hale is to death itself and there's that contrast between these two women um, Mrs Thornton strong and prosperous with life um, whereas Mrs Hale um, lies still on the verge of death um and behind mrs thornton's icy crust it says there was a real tender woman um and when mrs hale makes her request um that mrs thornton understands as as wishing her to be a friend to miss hale she says it's not in my nature to show affection even where i feel it i will help her with every power i have as if she were my own daughter I also promise that if I ever I see her doing what I think is wrong. And at that point, Mrs. Hale says, but Margaret never does wrong. Um, and so there's this contrast with what Mrs. Hale thinks of her daughter and obviously what Mrs. Thornton thinks of Margaret, having um, known that that she, that she slighted her own son. Now, this whole um, incident really gives um, more pathos to the situation that Mrs Thornton, who really hates Margaret, doesn't promise kindness, but does promise to look after her welfare. Um, And Margaret is still really holding up the rest of the family. Um, It says she had to act the part of a Roman daughter and give strength out of her own scanty stock to her father. Um, And there's this kind of point where... um, her father just really breaks down when Frederick finally arrives. Now, Frederick's arrival is um, this wonderful um, thing they've all been waiting for right at the very end. But it also unlocks Mr. Hale's emotion. And he begins to cry and wail like a child. Um, and Margaret sort of has to get him to understand who Frederick is, um, and the strain has been so terrible on her, and finally when Frederick's there, he can bear some of the strain along with her. Um, and Mrs Hale rallies on seeing her son, um, and of course he comes into the situation with a kind of false hope, um, and immediately sees that the impact of leaving Halston has mainly caused his mother's demise. He says to Margaret, why did my father leave Halston? That was the blunder. And Margaret replies gloomily, it was no blunder. I can see that he's tormenting himself already with the idea that Lamar would never have been ill if we had stayed at Halston. So Margaret tries to get Frederick not to mention this. Um, but Frederick's personality is quite similar to Thornton's. He tells Margaret not to sort of sit still, but, you know, do something. Do good if you can, but at any rate, do something. Um, But of course, in the night, um, Mrs. Hale passes away. um, And Margaret has to be a strong angel of comfort to her father and her brother, who breaks down in youthful, passionate sobs. So Frederick, for all his um, masculine sort of bravado, proves to be less mature than Margaret. And both uh, he and Mr. Hale are really incapable of managing the situation. And so in chapter 31, everything really falls on Margaret. Um, The father and brother depended on her while they were giving way to grief. She must be working, planning, considering Even the necessary arrangements for the funeral seemed to devolve upon her. Um, And Dixon says to her, you must not give way or where shall we all be? There is not another person in the house fit to give a direction of any kind. And there is so much to be done. So Margaret um, takes things into her own hands. Um, And then another area of conflict arises because Dixon is seen by an old acquaintance called um, Leonard's, who happened to know Frederick and was on board as well. Now this is disastrous because if he realises that Frederick is there then he can obviously report Frederick and Frederick can be arrested and tried and even hung for this mutiny that occurred at sea so many years ago. Um, and Leonards threatens Dixon with this as well. Um, she says to Margaret, he began to inquire after Master Frederick how he'd be hung for mutiny if ever he were caught. Um, and so Margaret realises that her brother is in great danger and even though her mother's only just died, he must go. He seems to acknowledge the strain that Margaret's been under. Um, he says, How wan you look, Margaret. You've been thinking of everybody and no one has thought of you. But of course, he has to go, and then that is going to leave Margaret with more responsibility as well. Now, one interesting contrast that I want, just want to draw out is when Thornton pays a call um, and Frederick um, says carelessly, I took him for a shopman. He turns out a manufacturer. And Margaret is silent because she remembers how at first, before she knew his character, she had spoken just as Frederick had doing. But she realises now um, that Mr Thornton is much more than this to her. Now, the other thing that Gaskell points out is um, that Frederick has fallen in love with a girl called Dolores, who's a Roman Catholic, and he's himself become a Roman Catholic, and... Um, Again, in the Victorian era, there was a movement of those in the higher Anglican circles towards Roman Catholicism. Um, this was led by uh, John Henry Newman and some others, uh, the Oxford movement. Um, and uh, it further underlines this idea of religious tolerance that Mr. Hale is stepping back from the established Church of England um, and Frederick is moving into the Roman Catholic Church to marry Dolores. Um, and so um, that that gives a sense of the ongoing tolerance. Um, but just before Frederick goes, they decide that they're going to take a note of the names of those who were on board to see if they could ask Henry Lennox, the lawyer, to at least look into um, clearing Frederick's name so that he would be allowed to freely move um, between the countries there's just one interesting comment i I will comment on to finish which is mr hale's comment about the court of law um is a court where authority weighs nine tenths in the balance evidence forms only the other tenth in such cases evidence itself can hardly escape being influenced by the prestige of authority so he's talking about the flaws in the justice system that um really the idea of justice is caught up in this notion of authority and what the person in authority believes will become essentially true. Um, And this is linking with some of the dialogue in the novel about social class, the masters versus the men, the injustices that occur, because those in authority do not use it correctly. So this subplot of Frederick and the Mutiny, which obviously happened years before the novel is set, does have an impact on the storyline and the plot here and creates added complications but it also draws attention to this constant battle of men with each other and men with varying degrees of authority. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter just search for Teach Me Lit I'm always open to requests, so if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.